Uh, welcome everyone to episode 37 of Under Further Review with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. And uh, we've got a lot of uh, stories about creepy dudes acting very inappropriately um, up into uh, acting criminally. So <laughs> to ki- I'm not even sure which one of these to start with. So um, why don't I pick the breaking news sure. from this morning. Um, rapper Nelly, who... I will admit I was a huge fan of when I was in college, Mm -hmm. Um, was arrested early this morning outside of Seattle for an alleged rape on a tour bus, his tour bus. It seems to be happening in the state of Washington a lot recently. Oh, right, because that's where the decapitated situation Mm -hmm. happened. Not that a person was decapitated, but the band (laughs) decapitated, just to clarify. Um, So, uh, yeah, so the story, I guess, is at this point, there are not a ton of details, but um, Nelly and a woman on his bus had um, some kind of sexual encounter, and he was later arrested. Um, He said that he, you know, hasn't done anything wrong. This was not illegal. It was a consensual um, situation. Clearly, the woman does not feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So at this point, I don't know that we have a ton more to say about it, except that the arrest happened, I think, early this morning, and uh, we'll keep an eye on updates on that for everybody. Yes, uh, very few details, except that um, the bus was parked near a Walmart in Auburn, Washington, and... Oh, yeah. so <laughs> trashy. Sorry, that's rude and judgmental, but still. Uh. Um, and that... Uh, he is currently on tour with the Florida Georgia line, which I believe is a country music oh, act. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, they did a they did like a duet mashup oh. of uh, "Cruise," I think is the song. I don't know; it's it's not good. Oh. Uh, whatever it is, but anyway, carry on. <laughs> and uh, and the other thing that I actually didn't realize that I didn't know and probably didn't need to know, but his real name is Cornell Haynes Jr. Yes, so that's. Those are the three things that I found would <laughs> be interesting today when I was reading the breaking news. Um, and he, well, not that this has any relevance to the current allegations, but because we are a legal entertainment podcast, <laughs> it seems relevant. Um, he has been arrested before, but only on drug charges. Um, most recently in Tennessee in April of 2015. Mm-hmm. Um looks like it's mostly marijuana issues, which in my view shouldn't be a crime anyway. Um, so yeah, that's, that's about it. There's doesn't appear that there's anything in his history that would indicate that he would have done something like this. But that being said, um, you know, this woman felt like she was in a position where she needed to call the police Mm -hmm. and report a crime. So, um, we'll see what, what happens here. It's a very, um, early days. Yes. Um, and before we get too further, too much further into our podcast, I do want to explain that if, um, there is background noise that sounds like we're under attack by, um, fighter jets, it's because it's fleet week in San Francisco. And, um, I think the blue angel show probably is starting pretty soon. We're recording this on a Saturday afternoon and, um, they fly over most of the city, but, uh, part of my neighborhood and Burke's neighborhood just because it's on the way out to the ocean where they can go back out and turn around and come back into the bay. So, um, um, so it's, it's not North Korea guys. <laughs> no. Everything is fine. Yes, these are U.S. Naval jets, F-18 Hornets. So we're, we're, we're fine for the no. most part. Um, so moving on to our second story, um, maybe we should do the cam one just because it's a little shorter than the sure. very lengthy, Harvey Weinstein. Um, so, so, the uh, 
just a couple of days ago during a uh, media session, Cam Newton was asked a question by, is it Jordan? Is that yes, it? except there's a U in Jordan, but I believe it is pronounced Jordan. And how how is her last name pronounced? I think Rodrigue. Okay. It looks like the, I probably should make comments about people's ethnicities, but it looks like the Portuguese spelling of oh, that okay. last name based on a kid I knew when I was in elementary school. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know why that's relevant. I just felt the need to share. Carry on. <laughs> she is a reporter with a Charlotte Observer, Observer. and yeah. she asked him a question about um, how he felt thought that Devin Funches was doing because De- uh, Devin Funches is new to the Carolina Panthers this year, and just talking about the routes that he was running and Cam's response, which came across as smug, and then as soon as he said the words, were sexist, and then I, I don't really know where he. I honestly, I don't watch enough of his press conferences, but I just thought it was such a weird thing to say. Like, yeah, so he, the response was, it's funny, and then he kind of laughed to himself, mm-hmm. I think, to hear a female, mm-hmm. keep in mind, refer to a woman as a female, which is actually an adjective, <laughs> um, to talk about routes, it's funny to me. And it seemed like that's the response you would give if you didn't know what the answer to the question was, mm-hmm. where it's like, that was not a hard question. I mean, it's yeah. a, f- a perfectly fine question, but no, it's but not it like wasn't... a tough question. No, exactly, because all you needed to hear was route and Devin Funches, and he could have just spun a yeah. BS answer about, oh, you know, he's really picking up the routes here. It's been a lot of fun to play with him. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a pretty softball question. Yeah, it, so, so, Sorry, go no, ahead. No, no. So, I mean, obviously, I, maybe he was con- caught off guard, or maybe he really does think these terribly sexist things, but it just seemed to me like a really strange um, way of responding. Yeah, or maybe like, he hates Devin Funches and didn't want to say anything nice about him. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. But it was a very, you're right, it was a super weird response that if he doesn't just genuinely feel sexist feelings like why would that be the thing that came into his head yeah exactly Uh he says that he was trying to make a joke um he has since there's been some stuff that's happened in between (laughs) but i'm going to skip to his apology for a second uh he issued a, a video apology wherein he uses the worst line in i don't know the last several decades of i apologize if you were offended by what i said um, as opposed to just apologizing for the terribly offensive thing that he said, regardless of people, whether people are offended or not. Um, he did go on to say in the video that uh, he is the father of two daughters, and he's telling them that they can be anything they want, except apparently for people who cover football. Um, and uh, he did say in the end, and I think this is probably the only redeeming bit of the video, but it doesn't redeem the entire apology. He just, says, he just said that... Um, he wants people to be better than him because clearly he is not a good person. Um, and I will, uh, one of my pet peeves is men who say like, I didn't basically didn't give a shit about women until I had a daughter. It's like, so you had a mother Mm -hmm. probably, you know, maybe you were like abandoned at birth and only grew up around men. I don't know, but most men have mothers may have sisters um, there is a mother Aunts of their or... child mm-hmm. somewhere. Maybe you hate her. I don't know. <laughs> but it's, you know, like, you should realize that sexism is bad because women are human beings, not because, like, it affects you. Um, and it seems like that whole um, idea of empathy. Mm-hmm. I went to a 
talk about empathy earlier this week, so it's been on my mind, and like it's just it seems like it's a you can look at the the uh, I don't want to call them the anthem protest, but the protest at um, NFL games in the same way that you know it's only people who seem to be personally impacted by the issues that they're talking about that want to that are kneeling as opposed to saying like I have a teammate who has expressed to me like their concerns about the broader world and like I mm-hmm. should kneel to be supportive even though it's not going to affect my life but which is a little far field of what we're talking yes. about well but. yeah but you're right it's you you shouldn't kneel because racism has directly affected you personally you should kneel because racism is bad right. yeah right and and Cam Newton should have apologized or should apologize not because people were offended but because saying what he said was terribly um, it was wrong and it was offensive. Um, on the topic of racism being bad, <laughs> uh, a part of this story um, that broke later was that Jordan Rodrigue, the reporter who um, had these comments made to her, um, somebody went on a deep dive in her Twitter, which is what always happens nowadays, and found some quite racist tweets uh, that she had put out there. Um Prior to, I think the timing, it looked like she was probably still in college when it happened, which is absolutely in no way to excuse um, the content of those tweets. I found it surprising, actually, that she even got a job, because I would think most employers at this point are checking Checking. your social media, which um, is kind of in our line of work, um, something that's totally fair to do, and um, not legal advice, but just a life lesson (laughs) be careful what you put on social media kids because it doesn't matter if you have private settings like it's out there now Mm -hmm. um but anyway people there are some people in the media who've tried to use her racist tweets to defend cam newton um which i think is a symptom of the uh trouble in our society where we can't seem to accept that two things can be true at the same time like jordan Rodriguez can be a racist asshole and cam newton at the same time can be a sexist asshole <laughs> both things can exist and um you know it doesn't make what cam said okay um so that's but i i am kind of surprised that this hadn't come up sooner and that she was in Oh, um, so I guess there was maybe a little bit of uh, controversy because she initially, um, after after the incident, she and he might have had a situation where they were together and he did not apologize to her at that point, even though the Carolina Panthers did say did, yeah. that he apologized to her. Um, and then, then I think she tweeted out that... Um, the reason why she didn't talk about it was because after they had that interaction, it was just, it was worse. So there was no point in her um, talking about it anymore. The apology then, the video apology then came, um, and it's just been on the airwaves of ESPN and, and various other news outlets since then. I think the thing that I was really struck by, I still watch Pardon the Interruption, even though both Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon drive me up a wall most of the time. But it was interesting, Tony Kornheiser was talking to Pablo Torre on Friday, and he basically said, you know, he's been a very long-time sports reporter, he's worked for the Washington Post for, you know, 40 years or something like that, and he said that, you know, he doesn't have any doubt that, like, 80 to 90% of locker room feel that way, so basically the people who are playing sports, not the journals who are covering, but the but the players themselves actually feel the way that Cam Newton does, 
Um, but Cam Newton's mistake was that he said it out loud, but he should have just thought it and not said it. And I really, I, I didn't know what to say to that. I was like, okay, I guess, I guess it is one thing to make known to the world that you are a sexist pig. Um, but it's still no better to think it because I don't understand. Cam Newton's been playing professionally for seven years. Mm -hmm. Presumably, I know he only played one year of actual college because he was playing junior college, but I'm assuming that he's been covered by media for at least 10 years. And in that time, he's run across both male and female and maybe trans reporters, right? Like, why is this? particular why is this happening now why did he make this comment now that's that was part of my confusion over this whole thing like yeah and there are a couple of um sports reporters who i follow on twitter um the now of course this is probably my like ingrained sexism that i can only remember the man's name who tweeted um but i think it's because i follow him and he was quoting another tweet anyway mm -hmm. um so a reporter jesse specter who now does freelance work used to work at the sporting news um, was responding to some other women reporters who said, you know, I've interviewed Cam not on camera, and he was really standoffish and pretty awful to deal with and very, like, smug and just obnoxious. And Jesse Spector responded, he's like, that's funny. I interviewed him, you know, a few years back, and he was great. He was super pleasant. I wonder what the difference is um, to make the point that, you know, it may just be that Cam's always been like this with women reporters. This one just happened to get caught on tape. Yeah. Um, or camera, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, and to me, it just, the story that you've conveyed and the idea of this, you know, systemic um, gender discrimination, like, of course, he gave Jesse a great interview. Yeah. Jesse's bosses say, oh, that's a great interview with Cam. Here's another really plum assignment. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, a female reporter gets a crappy interview from Cam because he hates women. Um, that's. I know that's a bit extreme, and I'm sure he doesn't actually hate women, but he doesn't th think very highly of them in his field. Um, you know, it, it just it just compounds, and it, yeah. Well, and I think the other, you know, to go back to your question about why is this happening now, what I part of me is wondering, and this kind of relates to the Harvey Weinstein story that we're going to talk about next, is, you know, did women get him on tape saying kind of obnoxious, you know, being really difficult to deal with but thought to themselves i can't fight cam newton like my job you know my profession will get destroyed if mm -hmm. i try to pick a fight with cam newton um so whatever i'm just gonna call this you know one bad outing and i'm not gonna complain about it and i'm not gonna like shame him publicly whereas mm -hmm. here he did it in front of a room full of people i think it was being aired on i don't know if it was being aired live maybe on the carolina panthers website um and it's, you know, sort of related to the Harvey Weinstein issue that we're going to talk about next. Um, Jen Sturger, I believe was her name, who was the woman at the center of the Brett Favre dick pic controversy, <laughs> um, sent out a series of tweets last night talking about this, about why, you know, there's no, there's no benefit to women who are harassed like this in the workplace um, to stand up and, you know, complain about their treatment. Now, obviously, making an obnoxious, sexist remark to a reporter is different than somebody being, like, systemically harassed by um, someone. But nonetheless, uh, it's... Uh, I think there's... The way the system works, there's really no reason for women to stand up and complain because people no. don't believe them or they don't care. I mean, that's basically what Tony Kornheiser is 
alluding to that like everybody feels this way so you know nobody's gonna back you up so you kind of suffer in silence and just try to do your job mm-hmm. um which is sad and to me as an attorney who i mean yeah we work on the management side but i think you know we don't want people treating each other badly at work um it's frustrating because the law can't help these women who don't come forward right and even if they do you know it is illegal to um retaliate against people but that's a hard claim to prove and you know women can be made so and not just women um anyone who complains about a form of harassment can be just made so miserable that they leave Mm -hmm. um and that's that's sad and i think it's a it's a place one of the many places that our legal system could use some work um so uh that actually does you know our next story is the the big probably celebrity story of the week is uh Harvey Weinstein, there was a New York Times article that came out two days ago yes. that basically chronicled um, at least several years, if not two decades worth, of um, his sort of predatory behavior towards women. Uh, I believe Ashley Judd was talking about something that happened to her 20 years ago, and she's been mm-hmm. talking about it for a while, so it's not like she's just come out with a story, but she's been she's talked about it for a while, but she never named the individual who was involved in this. But uh, apparently Harvey Weinstein's uh, MO was to invite either young actresses, uh, people he was quote-unquote interviewing for um, internships or uh, positions within um, Miramax, his film company, at either the Peninsula Beverly Hills Hotel. He had one hotel in London that he used. The Savoy. The Savoy, yeah. yeah. And one um, that he... Uh, frequented um, near Cannes in France, um, and he would invite them up to his hotel room. Tap du Ferrat, right? Yes. <laughs> he would invite them up to his hotel room under the guise of like a breakfast meeting or something like that. He often answered the door in his robe or not wearing any clothes, and uh, then would suggest or ask uh, the women either give him a massage or rub his shoulders or watch him take a shower. Oh. Um, and and you know a lot of these a lot of these women sort of felt like they they didn't they couldn't do anything they either you know get, did give him a back rub or they said no 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 and then left and then didn't report it or they talked to their friends about it and i mean it's been uh it's been ongoing so i think in the new york times article that i read there were about eight settlements um mm-hmm. in that time period um and the women who ostensibly signed those settlement agreements signed non-disclosure agreements as well so they haven't talked about it but i think the question i had burke for you was um so is it lisa o'connor lisa bloom oh lisa bloom but who was the o'connor who wrote the memo in 2015 that sort of started the i think her name was lisa o'connor so she wrote a memo in 2015 that basically outlined this history of Harvey Weinstein, and that got to the board at Miramax. Uh, they they reached a settlement with her, and so the investigation that the board was going to start got dropped. Um, but I'm is that of the, it did. <laughs> is that the thing that's triggered this New York Times article, or was there something else that triggered this particular? article and what's happening now in 2017 i think that was my question for you yeah you know i am not sure quite what spurred this it sounds like from what i've read about the two reporters from the new york times jody Cantor and megan tui um they basically there have been rumors about harvey weinstein's 
bad behavior mm-hmm. and bad behavior really understates what he did but this inappropriate um actions with women that he worked with for decades as um jen said and it sounds like this is something that they had been looking into for quite some mm-hmm. time i thought there was also a report that ronan farrow um was going to have a story for the new yorker about harvey weinstein and his um sexual harassment yeah. suits um, but I'm not sure what's happening with that at this point. But yeah, I'm, I think it's a investigation that's been going on for quite some time, and they finally got enough people to come forward mm-hmm. um, to talk about it. Um, I think, so the point that you made when we were talking about Cam Newton is um, a point that we wanted to emphasize here, was that a lot of women did tell coworkers or friends, but did not necessarily talk to... HR, you know, at the Miramax company or um, maybe even legal representation because they felt, I mean, they felt like they were trapped. You know, what is it going to do to their career to come out and make these allegations against someone as powerful as Harvey Weinstein? You know, if they did envision a career in either Hollywood or in New York, I mean, the ability of this man to probably submarine that career is, you know, it's very easily done by him um so a lot of these a lot of these women who had to um go through what they did just essentially suffered in silence until i guess now um yeah and actually the woman who wrote the memo is named lauren o'connor and you know the way she explained it was and this is quoting from her memo um i'm a 28 year old woman trying to make a living and a career harvey weinstein is a 64 year old world famous man and this is his company the balance of power is me zero harvey weinstein 10 um and i think yeah this goes to ashley judd said something pretty similar that her reaction i think her the story she described was he uh, said she could give him a massage or um watch him take a shower um which makes me shudder. And the, she said the thought that was running through her head was like, how do I get out of this room without offending him? Because, you know, she had a career she cared about and this guy could tank it. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of me wonders, I mean, they there's a story on Vox um, talking about the investigation and, you know, making the um, comments that Gwyneth Paltrow has worked a ton with Miramax and, like, how could she do that with Harvey Weinstein acting like this. And, you know, part of me wonders, I mean, God knows what he did or didn't do with Gwyneth Paltrow, but like, she's so famous. Maybe he, which is unsurprising, like picked on women who obviously had less power than he does. Whereas if, you know, if you harass Gwyneth Paltrow, I mean, you're going to get fried. So. Absolutely. um, I mean, there is, there's definitely, you know, aside from a pathology, there's, there's definitely the understanding that you are that you are a predator and you pick on people and victims who are weaker than you mm-hmm. because of the likelihood that you will be able to keep them silent. Um, I, you know, we see this quite frequently, just not at work necessarily in what we do, but you know, in the stories that you read. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was that apparently this was sort of like an open secret, kind of like the Bill Cosby situation. Right. Um, that it is widely known in those circles, circles that we do not travel in, <laughs> that this was what he does. And I mean, and just to let that go on for as long as it did, um, for fear of, I mean, whatever, because he is powerful, because he's well connected. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and his, I mean, talk about horrible apologies. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you thought, I thought Cam Newton's was bad. Harvey Weinstein, I, it's is it Weinstein worse. or Weinstein? It's Weinstein. Weinstein. Okay, I apologize. Weinstein's is 
so much worse. First of all, he starts out by saying, like, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and this is just how people acted. It's almost 2020, dude. That's, like, <laughs> 60 fucking years. Like, get your life together. Um, and then he misquoted Jay-Z, who he recently did a um, film. I think it was a film, may have been a miniseries, um, about the life and death of Trayvon Martin. Miniseries. Um, which is, like, you can't, I mean, how hard is it to quote Jay-Z correctly? It was literally a line from his last album. This is not too challenging, Hardy. Um, and then he went off about all of, like the wonderful things, like progressive causes he supports, and then he's going to focus all of his attention on the NRA and Wayne LaPierre yeah. better get ready to retire. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Exactly. The last paragraph, I mean, the whole apology was terrible, but that last paragraph was slightly unhinged. Yeah. It's like, so you are going to distract us over here because you don't want us to actually think about how terrible your apology is. Um, he's been he's out on indefinite leave. Right. Three um, of the board members of the Weinstein, Weinstein Company have quit mm-hmm. um, or resigned. And Lisa Bloom resigned today. Um, she was... So Lisa Bloom is an attorney. Did you know her mother's Gloria Allred? I did, which is why I was really surprised that she was helping Harvey Weinstein out. So <laughs> she was acting in a consulting advisory role with him for the last year, basically, I think just helping him navigate through this, well, his terrible behavior, and um, she wasn't representing him legally, right. uh, which is, I think, how she thought that it would be, oh, not that it would be okay, but it would not be antithetical to her actual practice, that um, she, you know, she said a few things, like, he is a dinosaur, and we're just trying to work our way so that he can survive, and or, you know, learn from his mistakes and things like that. And I was just like, that just sort of sucks. I mean, yeah, I think it's probably a good idea that if he needs help, he gets some help. But at the same time... She seemed like kind of an enabler, which yeah. is... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's an ex- any excuse for what he did. Mm-hmm. And to try and make it better um, or make an excuse for it just seems ridiculous. Um, and... What's this isn't really a legal issue, but um, the fact that Harvey Weinstein is a big donor to Democratic causes has been sort of a, a something that the conservative media has recently latched onto, and this again comes back to part of what we were talking about with Cam Newton and um, Jordan Rodriguez. Like, just because um, you know two things can be true at the same time, mm-hmm. Harvey Weinstein's bad behavior doesn't. Um, make it okay for conservative celebrities to act in a terrible manner. And so to try and, it just... It's the equivocation, I think. Yeah, it's like everybody can both, you can have shitheads on both sides, I guess is the my inarticulate way of saying my that. point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, one last issue, I think, about Harvey Weinstein, um, because I suffered through reading this article, so I'm going to make you all suffer through it too. Uh, he, a woman by the name of, I think it's Laura Sivan, S-I-V-A-N, I might be pronouncing her last name incorrectly, but she was a um, reporter for a TV station in Long Island in 2007, and um, she went to dinner at Cipriani's, which is a famous Italian eatery in New York, um, with Harvey Weinstein, who then took her to a club that he co-owned with the guy who ran Cipriani's called um, Socialista. And he was like, oh, I want you to come downstairs and see the cafe because they had a cafe attached to the club. Um, She went downstairs with him and he uh, propositioned her. He tried to kiss her. 
she kind of ducked away from him and was like, I have a boyfriend, I'm not interested. And he goes, well, good, then you can just stand there and be quiet. At which point he uh, began masturbating in front of her, blocking her exit from the room. Um, her friend came looking for her and his Harvey Weinstein security tried to block her friend from coming downstairs. And she, I guess this woman said to the security, like, my friend could be in trouble. She told me to come looking for her. Are you seriously going to stop me from going down there? At which point they got the hell out of the way. Um, and again, she didn't tell anybody because she was, according to her, and she has um, uh, participated in an interview about this. She has attached her name to this story. Um that Harvey Weinstein is a really powerful guy and could ruin my career. So I kept my mouth shut, but it was awful. And um, now all of you can have that wonderful visual <laughs> like I do. Um, so you're welcome, listeners. Thanks, Burke. <laughs> um, so those are the three big stories today. Um, we're going into our three-minute warning now just to catch you up on a couple of things that have been happening. Uh, just a point of housekeeping before we move into our stories. I believe last week I said that Notre Dame joined the ACC. That is partially true. All of um, Notre Dame's sports teams, uh, other than football, have joined the ACC. But uh, the Notre Dame football uh, program is still independent, but it did agree to pay, play five, uh, four or five games every year against ACC teams. Which seems kind of weird because the ACC is not known for its like good football teams. Correct. So... Are they going to make a lot of money? I guess Notre Dame football just prints money, yes. so it doesn't really matter. Um, so I, that's what I wanted to clean up. Um, and, and I'm sorry, what were, were you, were you going to keep talking about Notre Dame football? No, um, I was just going to say the woman whose memo um, was given to the Weinstein Company board was actually named Lauren O'Connor, not Lisa O'Connor. So. Um, so, and then we mentioned a few weeks ago that Amir Khan, uh, the boxer, was divorcing um, his wife, and uh, they have a three-year-old daughter together, and it's come out subsequently, and I think we might have talked about this a little bit, that is, she is currently pregnant with his child. She's a few months along. There were pictures in the Daily Mail um, in Britain where she's walking down the street, and she has a picture of um, the uh, pregnancy scan in her hand. Uh, she has made some overtures about how she wants to get back together with him. He has basically said that he's not interested. And I think the biggest uh, move that he's made is that he's had pictures. He's been Instagramming pictures of him with his family in Pakistan um, in the last week or so. Basically, because I guess Amir Khan's family hated her. Right. Yeah, so. And that was apparently what kind of ended up breaking up their marriage since he, Amir Khan, has accepted that she did not have an affair with Anthony Joshua, <laughs> um, which was part of the problem to start off with. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it seems like uh, Faryal mm -hmm. is um, SOL. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. Pretty much. Um, is she moved, she's from, like, New Jersey, right? Yeah, she is Amer Yeah, she is from the United States, so I don't know if she's moving back. I would imagine that um, she would probably stay in England just because of kid the kids in custody and because i can't imagine yeah. that he would be moving here i would assume not but i'm not sure she really cares about his feelings right now so that's probably fair um, um and then uh we did talk last week about the um ncaa probe uh by the mm -hmm. fbi and we talked extensively about how rick patino was put on placed on unpaid leave pending a decision by the board of trustees 
Um, he is still on unpaid leave, but he has made some overtures to the media about how he is most likely going to sue uh, the university for a breach of breach of his employment contract um, as a result of this, because essentially his argument is in his employment contract. It's my understanding that um, he has ten days notice. Uh, before he can go before the board or subcommittee of the board and basically respond to allegations that were made against him. Um, it's, I don't think it's even been 10 days yet, or maybe it's been more than 10 days. No, we recorded last Wednesday, okay. so it's pro I think it's 10 days today. Okay. Um, probably and you can kick it to a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he hasn't gone before the board to respond, but the board basically gave him like 10 days worth of pay and said that's that's going to be your 10 days. Um, he's being, it's in all likelihood, he's going to be terminated for cause, which means that he forfeits the rest of his $44 million contract. And he's saying that there is no cause, no for cause, because no allegations have been made against me. It's right, because he never does anything yeah. wrong. <laughs> so he believes that he is owed the $44 million um, if it comes down to that. But I don't think anything's been filed because it is premature at this point. He hasn't actually been filed. Right. Um, and I guess the question, I know this is our three-minute warning, so it's supposed to be fast, is um, in terms of, like, in an employment situation where the people who actually engaged in the wrongdoing are sort of your rank-and-file folks, mm -hmm. not, you know, the department head, for lack of a better term, um, I mean, what would happen in a normal job not a like famous basketball coach situation. Could you get rid of the department head based on their complete and utter lack of management of the people below them? Like you oversaw a fraud? I think so. Um, I think it's it's a tougher case, obviously, to prove um, whether or not they had actual or constructive knowledge of what was going on, um, whether or not the individuals below uh, the department head took pains to conceal the information mm -hmm. from the department head. Um, but this is not the first time that something like this has happened to him. Uh, so I can't imagine that they would be able to say that, um, he had no, like no information or no knowledge about this. And probably, I would try as an employer, I would still try. For sure. I mean, there are some fights you have to have just on principle, even mm -hmm. if you think you're going to lose. Yep. Um, I, I'm assuming he's just doing this, not necessarily, I mean, he may, knowing Rick Pitino and his ego, um, he may think he's going to win, but I would think at the very least he's doing this to extract a better severance agreement from yeah. them. Yeah, um, that's probably fair. So um, we'll have more information about that as uh, days and weeks roll along. Um, and I was just looking up, yeah, so part of, I wonder if this factors into it, the University of Louisville is part of the state university system in Kentucky. It's not a private entity. It's supported, um, at least in part, by tax dollars. So, you know, they might have some, their calculus on whether they should just settle this or fight it might be a little different given where their money is coming from. Mm -hmm. But um, in any event, the next story that we have real quick is about uh, former NHL player Yuri Hoodler. He played for the Red Wing, the Detroit Red Wings for a long time mm -hmm. and finished up his NHL career with the Calgary Flames. Um, he was recently arrested on an airplane after threatening to murder a flight attendant and her entire family because she refused to get him cocaine <laughs> while on a flight to Prague. Yes. 
Uh, so this was a Delta Airlines staff member. It was a Delta flight from New York to uh, Prague. and He's Czech, by the way. <laughs> so uh, apparently he asked for Coke, um, and she thought that he was talking about the beverage, and it turned out that he wasn't. Sure, because, yeah. you know, why would somebody ask for a drink on an airplane mm-hmm. when they really meant drugs? Yes, he has been accused of snorting cocaine in the plane's bathroom and then attempting to urinate on a food cart. Um, and she, um, obviously said that she couldn't get him that, at which point he said he would have his friends murder her and her whole family when they landed in Prague. Yes. Uh, he has denied the allegations indicating that he believed it was a very small incident. Um, but it remains under investigation. (laughs) So, um, it's just sad oh and i apologize hoodler apparently last played for the dallas stars um he had played for the flames previously and then the red wings for a while um yeah so that's um that's our hockey news season has started so it's very well the preseason has started no the real season started um oh so the games are playing now are actual real games uh oh so the penguins did lose 10 nothing to couldn't happen to a nicer group of guys, and yes, they did. They oh. did, they did. Yeah, they lost to the Chicago Blackhawks with noted environmental activist Jonathan Taves as their captain. Uh, uh, they have? Do they have preseason games? They do. Oh, okay. I must. I just must. Preseason have is usually in um, October or sorry, September. Oh. Um, okay. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. As far as I know, I mean, you're making me doubt myself now, but no, yeah, because was... the Vegas Golden Knights. Not to pick on a city that's already down, um, but stupid name um, for a hockey team. But yeah, they won their first ever real game. Oh, okay. Um, Well, speaking of Las Vegas, and we are deeply sympathetic to um, those who are suffering in Vegas and family members of those who are impacted by what happened in Las Vegas, but there is a little bit of legal news that comes out of it that's not related necessarily to what happened. Yes, so this was a story um, brought to our attention by listener Kang, who is a real active participant um, in our our podcasting, so thank you. Um, And he had flagged the issue that um, the band The Killers are um, Las Vegas natives, and they have a residency, I think, at one of the casinos in Vegas right now. Um, So needless to say, there are billboards all over the city um, promoting The Killers, which um, it seems like an insensitive thing to be doing right about now in light of um, what happened there last weekend. So apparently the killers and the city of Las Vegas came to the uh, agreement to just take the, the billboards down, at least for the time being. Um, but the question Kang had for us is, what would have happened if the killers had said, no, we, you know, you need to keep promoting our, our concerts um, and keep those signs up? What would the city or the MGM grand's um, recourse event because they're performing at the MGM. And my, you know, my initial thought was it really comes down to whatever's in the contract between the killers and MGM grand Mm -hmm. or MGM grand and the city. If it's the city who runs the, the billboards, um, the city may have just been as sort of an interested party, but not part of a uh, a contractual agreement Mm -hmm. said like, you guys have to take these down. Um, My thought was as long as the, killers are getting paid they'd have very little recourse to argue they were being damaged by removing the billboards Mm -hmm. um so i don't know that there's a ton more to to think about there especially since we don't know what the contracts say but um it is an interesting since there it seems like there are a lot of 
people nowadays who are just kind of looking out for themselves. The idea that the killers could have said, no, no, you need to keep promoting our, our stuff. We don't care about what our community is going through. Um, and Luckily, um, they didn't do that. Yes. <laughs> well, and um, to your point earlier, you said that they are from Las, Va- Las Vegas or Henderson yeah. originally. Yes. And um, Brandon Flowers issued a statement, I think, two days ago about how his heart was broken that this was happening in a city and he really still believes that Vegas is his home even though he lives in Utah now so like I don't think that um that they thought for a second that they wouldn't cooperate right so, so the, this was more of a hypothetical in no way are we disparaging the ki- I mean I would maybe disparage their music but the the them as people um the killers never um balked at taking the billboards down so just just sort of an interesting hypothetical um, and you have an update on, from Reality TV Stoop. It's very quick. Um, Countess Luann has officially divorced Tom. And I know that probably does not mean anything to anyone who's <laughs> listening to this podcast, but it means a lot to me because um, we spent two seasons uh, dealing with the Luann and Tom relationship. Um, everyone knew that Tom was a dog. And they, this feels like the quickest divorce in the history of divorces, but I guess if, you know, nobody's contesting the divorce and they hadn't been married for very long, um, didn't have any kids between any shared children, I guess I should say, um, you can get the whole thing processed pretty quickly. I wonder if there's a different process for marriages that have lasted less than a year versus... Well, and also, so they got married in Palm Beach or West Palm Beach. But they lived in New York, and New York remains a fault state for divorce. Oh, mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they got divorced in a no fault Florida, state. Um, because otherwise I have no idea how this could have gone so quickly. Um, not that I did divorce law when I lived in New York. I just what I remember from the bar exam. Um, they take a while there, just because even with an abandonment argument, you still have to be apart for 90 days and um this divorce was not announced 90 days ago but they could have been split up before then i'm not totally sure what goes on in the lives of tom and luann Um, which is really surprising considering their lives are like on tv (laughs) i know and luann did like a luann the countess tells all interview um on bravo but i have not watched that yet so i'll I'll let you know if i get any more (laughs) details once i do um so that's it from us this week um if you want to let us know how you feel about anything that we've talked about. Feel free to email us at underfurtherreview.bg at gmail.com. Um, sorry. No, go ahead. You can also follow <laughs> us on social media. Um, to our handles on Twitter and Instagram are UFR underscore BG. Um, and you can also check out our website, underfurtherreview-bg.com. And if you are so inclined, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Yeah, so thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.